horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. All right. Well, welcome back, and thanks for joining us for another edition of Winning Ponies. I'm John Engelhart, and we've got an hour full of thoroughbred horse racing information for you, things that happened last week, things that are happening today, and uh, predictions of what's going to happen on Saturday, the huge day uh, down at the fairgrounds. Check this out. Eight stakes races, four of them are graded stakes, including the million-dollar Twin Spires Louisiana Derby and the $400,000 Twin Spires Louisiana Oaks. We're in with the big kids now. Derby and Oaks points, 140 20 and 10. So even a second place finish could get you in the starting gate at one of those prestigious races. We'll find out. Kevin Kilroy, who, uh, who's been our boots on the ground guy, helping us out through this season leading up to this fantastic week uh, at the fairgrounds, is going to be joining us. And uh, he, he he's very active uh, at, at the the track on the backstretch and he should be able to give us all the inside skinny of what is going on now we're going to concentrate on uh the uh the graded stakes races, of course, uh, number one uh, being the uh, Louisiana Derby. A lot of Derby hopefuls there. The, the, getting the edge right now, and deserveredly so, is Steve Asmussen-trained epicenter. But let me tell you, there are some fantastic up-and-comers there. Uh, Zozos, only a third-time starter for Brad Cox, undefeated. Could be any kind. Call me midnight beat epicenter by a head in the lecompte the last time they met but since then epicenter came back and won the risen star and let's not forget the chemic peak trained grade one winner rattle and roll most people say the fountain of youth was just kind of a leg stretcher for him finished sixth beaten seven and a quarter links by simplification but kenny is coming from golf stream to the fairgrounds off a solid bullet work down in florida earlier this week so uh we will uh be zoning in the Louisiana Derby. I don't think we're going to have too much to talk about in the Fairgrounds Oaks, not only because it isn't the biggest field of the day, but because last year's champion, undefeated Echo Zulu, $1.4 million winner and only four career starts, will be making her first start of 2022, which always leaves the door open just a crack. As sensational as she is, it's the first start back. She drew the rail. That should be a plus, though she's never broken from the rail on any of her gates. Nonetheless, she's the class act, but she's going to be in there with the likes of Turner Loose, who's just coming off a very strong Rachel Alexandra, which is the key local prep for the Fairgrounds Oaks. And we'll also take up the Munez Memorial Class 
Classic and the New Orleans Classic. All of them graded race races, and Kevin Kilroy will be the man to take us through some of the best bets in there. And then we're going to catch up with T.D. Thornton. If you read the Thoroughbred Daily News, you'll probably read T.D. He's six out of seven days of the week. He's a fantastic writer. And uh, the way he covers things, he's intelligent, he's worldly, he's well-rounded, and he also has a fluent writing style that, that's entertaining. The best example you'll ever find of that from T.D. Houghton is in the book that he has authored called Not by a Long Shot. Now, he penned this book a few years ago, I'm going to say over a decade ago, does not change a single thing. You can pick this book up tomorrow and think it was written yesterday. It's a season at a hard luck horse track, all about Suffolk Downs and Rockingham and, and the, uh, the the different characters uh, that we meet at uh I guess the smaller racetracks, I guess they're at every racetrack, but for some reason the characters just uh, seem to come to a brighter light in the smaller venues like Suffolk Downs and River Downs. So looking forward to the conversation with T.D. Houghton. All right, let's take a look at late breaking news. We got some good ones here, folks. How about the? we've been wondering this every week. What was the plan for the Baffert runners? And now we know that Hall of Fame Bob Baffert trainer is going to turn over some of his top three-year-olds to other trainers. And it sounds like everything was very amicable between both Baffert, who the owners say was at his urging to do this. Now, that's a class act. I really like that aspect of the trade. Okay, quick look at who's going where. Messier and Doppelganger and McLaren Vale are being sent to trainer Tim Yakteen, so they'll remain there in Southern California. While uh, Backadder has already left California and is in Kentucky with uh, Rudolph Brousset. So uh, Baffert knowing that he can't get points for these horses, and there's still big points left. Obviously, plenty of talent to run first or second in one of the big points races. Uh, I really think he's taking the hide rows there. It would be interesting to see where some of the other uh, horses may land. Although it's getting a little late in the game for all of a sudden discovering you got another potential derby horse there. I guess New Grange leaves me scratching my head the most to find out where, if anywhere, he'll go. Now, just a reminder for everybody, if we get a chance later in the show, I'll run the whole schedule down to you. But this Saturday, not sure where you are, what time you get up in the morning, uh, but starting about a little after 8 o'clock in the morning, uh, the uh, Saturday night at Maydan Racecourse, the Dubai World Cup, is going to be happening. So Saturday morning, start your uh, potatoes, Collins, and get the coffee brewing early. Got some great races on tap of course uh the, the big one uh, is going to be with uh life is good and actually the, the three american 
standouts uh, looked to be the ones uh, the, the ones to, to beat in there. So there was 11 horses entered in there, uh, including uh, Life is Good. Then you got uh, Country Grammar representing the U.S. Frankie DeTore's got that ride. And how about Hot Rod Charlie, Flavian Pratt being really reunited, even though he came off in another winning effort over in the desert about a month ago. And then Midnight Bourbon, he keeps showing up. He's going to win one of these big ones. Jose Ortiz, if you're wondering where he is this weekend, he will be over there. So, again, if I get a chance, I'll, I'll, I'll run the uh, it down. But you'll, you'll be able to find it, you know. Uh, so, you know, you just got a lot of good, solid American uh, interest over there. Of course, this year the Japanese are making a good showing of, of themselves. So, uh, uh when we get talking to uh, TD, we're going to start uh, asking him who he likes in his Kentucky Derby because he's in charge of that publication's Top Derby 12. Now, last week, my friend Eric Wing joined me, and uh, we talked a lot about what was going on and the different tournaments that were played, none that I won, by the way. But uh, we did go to Oaklawn Park. There were two fantastic handicap races there uh, at six furlongs, the appropriately name changed, the Whitmore at Oaklawn, $200,000, four and up. And, well, if you took my top pick and Eric's top pick, you got yourself a $37 exacta. Uh, I took... Uh, Bob's Edge, who was nowhere to be found until the final 40 yards, put in a humongous close under Luis Quinones and got the job done for trainer Larry Jones. Don't forget, this horse was coming off a win in the King Cotton there, a solid one, and still got away at 7-2. Meanwhile, Eric, well, he liked the lightly raced two-lane tryst. Uh, who got the second spot at three to one. And for the third was Greeley and Ben. And then a half a million dollars on the line in the Essex handicap. This one going a mile and a 16th. And it was the old guy. That's right. A late burst. Another stretch run winner at Oaklawn Park. Rated our superstar. Fixed <laughs> offer. He was on with us about uh, three weeks ago. Great call at the end he said the old man still has it in him uh rated r superstar got the job done uh in the essex handicap uh catching plainsman who was the favorite in there off that win in the razorback beau luminaire was in the third spot all right that's a look at uh, a lot of uh, current news and uh we uh, are going to take a little bit of a break, and when we come back, uh, we will be covering that fantastic card at the fairgrounds. Don't forget, folks, full, full day at races. We'll get you over at Maydan early in the morning and take you through the Crescent City uh, down there at the fairgrounds. Also want to talk to Kevin Kilroy. You know, they had that really extreme weather down there uh, the other day, and uh, I want to see if any damage made its way over to the fairgrounds. Looked like it was a little more east of uh, New Orleans, according to my weather map here. Anyhow, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll be with Kevin Kilroy from the fairgrounds. You're listening to Winning Ponies. 
Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free, 1-866-472-5788, or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right, and with us right now, Kevin Kilroy representing the Fairgrounds Racetrack. This guy is a trooper. You know, they say down in New Orleans, every day is Mardi Gras. And let's face it, there's always something to do. And I can hear that Kevin's doing something right now. Uh, Kevin, how are you doing? Are you, you had a professional sporting event, I do believe. Hey, John. I am. I am. Great to be on the show, man. Thanks for having me. Currently at the Pelicans game. New Orleans Pelicans playing the Chicago Bulls tonight. So uh, here for a little NBA action with, uh, you know, you know him as well as I do. You know him probably better than I do. Joe Christofex here. And uh, also with, uh, tell you what, one of the top trip note handicappers in New Orleans, Mikey V. He's with us, too. So we're, we're checking out the game. It's a good night. All right. Well, thanks for being one that took my phone call, Kevin. I greatly appreciate it. Now, something I really worried about the other day uh, uh, for you and my other friends that uh, live in the New Orleans area, I know you guys got hit uh, bad with storms. Did any of it affect the racetrack area? Uh, so fortunately, no. No, it, it didn't. Um, it was close, though. I would say just about two, three miles away from the racetrack um, in the Lower Ninth Ward, just on the other side of the canal there, downriver. Um, St. Bernard Parish. Um, yeah, those are. I'm from Kansas City, and I know I know these these things well. But those are as big as, as I've seen touch ground that close to me ever. You know, so you know I know uh, Louis Russell the third. I'm sure you're familiar with him and Ryan Lamarck. They've got two hundred fifty thousand dollars up together to help people over there, and you know fairgrounds people and community are doing doing what they can. But uh, you know, luckily it didn't hit us, and uh, you know, so so hard in the city. I feel so bad for everybody. <laughs> uh, someday when we're off air, I'll tell you some stories. I worked for Louis Roussel the third, so uh, no way, was... really. What? what uh, I mean, there's nobody I like watching, watching, watch his horse. I mean, he'll sit there underneath the big screen in the paddock and get so into it and just be rooting his horse home and get his program out and bang it. And when he wins, it's the best celebration. Everybody's like shouting, Louis, Louis. 
oh, what a guy. I can't. I would love to hear your stories, Jeff. Well, they're fantastic. My quick one, just to follow that. I used to tell friends would come from all over to come visit me. Of course, you moved to New Orleans and you have more friends than you ever knew when you were at home. And, <laughs> That's uh, the truth. That's the truth. And, and so it was a stakes race coming up. And of course, uh, Louis had, uh, oh, Irish Open, I think was the name of the horse. Real fast sprinter. And, uh, and I told him, I said, here's what's going to happen, guys. I said, look out here. I said, after the horses come out of the track, I said, you're going to see a man dressed all in black. You're going to see a beautiful woman dressed all in white. They're going to leave that area. They're going to come down and they're going to stand on the track at the finish line. Their horse is going to win and then they're going to get their picture taken and on the way out of the winner's circle, they're going to hand $5 bills folded in the Star of David to the fans of the horse. You're joking. Joking. I was right every time and blew their (laughs) mind. It was Louie and Vicky. Uh, Miss Vicky was the GM there. I was friends with her father, who was a trainer in Ohio. As you can see, Kevin, I got a lot of stories. But that was my favorite one of watching a guy watch the race. It it was like a John, I love that one. I mean, this sport has got so many amazing humans, so many amazing characters, and the stories, you know, it's just like almost the best part of it. Um, I love that stuff. Yeah, thanks for for sharing that. The next guy I'm going to have on, did you ever read T.D. Thornton's Not By a Long Shot? No. Is that a good one? Oh, my God. Kevin, you sound like the kind of guy that gets your teeth into this stuff. Get that book. Get that. I mean, he, he wrote it over 10 years ago, but it was an award winner. Fantastic. But it puts you right in the old press box. Oh, I was up there with oh, Frenchie Schwartz and Alan Black Cat Lacombe would come in and fall asleep at his desk every day with the two different colored socks on. Anyhow, I digress. Oh, those those about- stories are it. Oh, I got it. I mean, I'm just hearing all about, you know, Black Cat from, from Mikey Diliberto. He was just talking about him because he used to work with him, too. Or, you know, our. Our head clocker and morning line lock maker. I mean, yeah. yeah. Oh, I've got to check that book out. I knew him when he was a young Turk, but anyhow. No way, really? Yeah. You're, yeah. You're, I'm loving it, John. Gotta, I mean, I'm sure oh, there's not enough time Del- for all we got to talk Del- about. Alberto, yeah, man. Uh, but anyhow, I digress. We could spend an hour doing that. You've got an unbelievable, fantastic card. Okay. We yep. want to look. We'll just try to get to the last 9, 10, 11, 12 if we can. But when does your day start? Because it's going to be a huge day. Yeah, starts at noon 12, or 12.05 to be exact. You know, we've got 12 races on the card. Eight of them are stakes races and then some huge, you know, maiden special weight races like we've kind of been having all meet or on the undercard. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be a great day. We've got the three uh, state bred stakes early, starting race three is the first stake. Um, I think it's race three, four, and six, maybe three, five, and six. But, there's, you know, I mean, it seems like there's a lot of these races on the card that look uh, – Look like there's some four-four horses that could that could get it done, but I've been loving these cards because so many long shots have been surprising people. So I I think it's worth it getting in, diving in, and, and uh, you know doing a multi wager on, on the card tomorrow. 
All right, we're, we're talking with Kevin Kilroy from the fairgrounds. They're fantastic card, of course. The one that'll grab everybody's eye is the twin-spired uh, Louisiana Derby. Uh, we're, we're in uh, a whole new atmosphere with the points, folks. So 140, 20, and 10. Now, now we talked about some some long shots. Okay, here's the race where you might want to shop for one because everybody's eye immediately is going to go to Epicenter, and rightfully so. Trained by Steve right. Asmussen, coming off the win in the Riven Star, fell a, uh, a head short to Call Me Midnight, who's going to be in this race at, from what I see, pretty uh, solid odds. But that's not to say there aren't, there's two in here that, that catch my interest, and then I'll shut up, Kevin, and let you uh, jump No, I want to hear him, yeah. From the inside out, Zozos. I mean, look, yep. you got Brad Cox bringing in Giro. These guys win at a 27% clip, whether it's a layoff, whether it's a stakes race, whether they won their last start. And this horse just won by 10, going around six furlongs to a mile and 16th. The other upstart's kind of obvious because he really wouldn't be one if he won, and that's Kenny McPeak's rattle and roll. I think most people really thought the Fountain of Youth was a a leg stretcher, uh, much more than a have-win race. And that episode center i think the one to beat yeah how about rock i mean that rattle and roll so that gold stream i don't think that track suits that running style i think you know there's a real early move that uh, rattle and roll was making and if he can mature through that and you know make his move a little bit later that could be a dangerous you know home stretch run from rattle and roll i will yeah and brian hernandez jr is up you know he's been having a fantastic meet Love that him. could be a great one i think a couple of, or go ahead no, I just said I, I love Brian. I think he's a fantastic jockey. Oh man, he's he is a fantastic jockey. He's he's one of the strongest in the country. I think you know to be honest with you, he's so great. Um, but then I think Call Me Midnight has every right to, to win this race again. You know, I mean the workouts from Call Me Midnight, Keith Sormo, He's like I've never you know seen a horse work twelve furlongs or sorry twelve or sorry uh, work. Uh, Six furlongs. Sorry, one furlong. Sorry, no, somebody, somebody's walking by here. I was just trying to be quiet. Uh, as fast as Call Me Midnight just did it as well, looking as good. And it's a little bit interesting because the clockers, I think, got it wrong. And, you know, he kind of says that in one of the pieces we put out. So definitely read that. It's up on FGNO.com. You can hear the foremost comments. Um, I think Call Me Midnight could get it done. I think Kapuna as well. I know Raylu's really high in Kapuna, thinking about the Belmont. You know, the longer, the better. So. Here we are. We're going a little bit longer with a bunch of horses who haven't proven themselves at this distance. And Kapuna seems to be working great. Calhoun's high on him, and he could, you know, I mean, he could put another good run. And I think that Cyberknife loss was not a not a tough one. Cyberknife is going to move forward in a big, big way, I think, in the uh, Arkansas Derby. So um, that's another interesting one. There. I think I think you're right. We got to find some long shots in here to get paid. Yeah, yeah, and, and again, if Epicenter wins, deservedly so, and and may you go on and have a great day in in, uh, in Louisiana. But it's that time of year, you know, that these three-year-olds and a lot of these are, are making their first or second step in, into 2022 can all of a sudden jump up and go, "Hey guys, I'm not in junior high anymore. I'm ready for the bigs." So we'll find out, right. and 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 that that'll be a, a great litmus test right there. Um, the uh, single, if you're playing pick fours or <laughs> anything uh, that is uh, horizontal has to be Echo Zulu. But again, Kevin, you've seen this happen before. An unbelievable, fantastic horse, a champion making its first start of the season at a track it's right. never been at, draws the one hole in a route race. Things can happen. 
things can happen. I mean, if she's cranked, for sure. You know, I think Echo Zulu's got this and more. But yeah, first off, she's never been headed, you know, never really been threatened at all. If somebody just makes a run at her, it could change things. She could get trapped on the rail in a bad spot. I mean, she probably can get the lead and go on with it, you know, and get, get the win. But yes, Hidden Connection yes. has got that outside spot. I think Hidden Connection has an excuse from that last race. And I think that, uh, you know, hearing Calhoun say the workout right before the Rachel Alexandra was what he wanted to see for three workouts in a row, and now he's seeing it. So I think she's going to take that next step forward, too. And, I mean, with you, I'm going to try to try to beat Echo Zulu. Let's do it. You know, let's try to get a get a price in there too. Well, if that's the case, Kevin, I think you got to keep Turner loose in there. Here's a horse that had a, yep. a really sensational two-year-old season, albeit most of those on the greens word, but has shown a whole nother dimension now that she has blossomed into a three-year-old with what I thought, 17 to one, a Brad Cox trainee wins the right? Rachel know, Alexandria. Sometimes. <laughs> right. It's like this game's too easy. You just overthink it. You know, like all right, Brad Cox is coming into one, seventeen to one, let's let's put some money on that. Easy. <laughs> yeah, I mean you ought to be yeah, able to just yeah, get the, the bartender loose, to split. I mean second <laughs> Yeah. Go ahead. Turn a turn a loose the second time, you know, doing running on the on the dirt in a row, you know, going two turns could take another big step up and, and show something good. All right. Again, we're talking with Kevin Kilroy from the fairgrounds. Really appreciate him uh, taking a a break from the game. Uh, I couldn't get Joe Christofek out of the thing because he's got the other guys buying him beer. But, Kevin, I appreciate you being (laughs) on with us for sure. Um, Listen, I only got a couple minutes left, and I know you only got a couple minutes. Um, What is now called the Munez Memorial Classic. Now, you being a young'un, you didn't know – Mervin uh, or Ramon Muniz. I can tell you these guys were the salt of the earth. They were the nicest guys you would ever met. When I moved down there, I I went into the Chateau Napoleon. The place was furnished and they didn't pay for it, but they had me all set up. I didn't have to do any shopping, didn't have to get an apartment, nothing. Boom. Mervin took care of everything, just told me where to go, helped me the keys. And then Ramon, he was fantastic. He was slightly younger, a little bit of a bigger guy and a person that will go be unnamed um, used to make Ramon way in. She said I could come back to this, this one. It's almost over. Thank you. Sorry. I'll let I'm, you I'm listening. Know. I'm with you up in that moment. All right. So Ramon used to have to weigh in at the jockey's room because this person was concerned about his weight, a person that controlled his paycheck. And if he didn't <laughs> hit a certain weight, he got his pay docked. <laughs> no way. <laughs> Only at the that's, fairgrounds. That's Come on. Good. Only at the fairgrounds. Where else this stuff happen? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Real quick. The Munez Memorial. I had a hard time with this one because, uh, yeah, again, what do you think? Well, well I, I think you've got these really experienced, hard-knocking, graded horses like Sacred Life and Devamani, yep. if, I, if I'm saying that right. Th- these yeah. are, are, are not the winningest horses in the world, but they're, they're hard-fought. They're, they're, you know, they've, they've faced the graded races. And then you got a, a young upstart. Um, it looks like Brendan Walsh took his time with this uh, son of distorted humor in that Santine. So uh, yep. are the two standouts such standouts I should ignore Sand? Team. You know what? I'm with you there. I think my, my, my two A's in that race are Sacred Life and Santine. I feel like, um, I think you say it well, you know, these are hard-fought 
Chad Brown horses, and they don't win every race, but when you watch them run, they are freight trains, you know, specifically Sacred Life coming, you know, come with the clothes. You know, what, a, what a great run he can put together. He can do it inside of horses, outside of horses, in between horses. You know, the guy can just run late. Devamani could be interesting with Rosario up. I think that otherwise I wouldn't want Devamani, but Rosario knows this turf course well. He's such a good, you know, jockey at putting his horse in the right spot. I think Devamani's going to be a little bit more forward. I think those two will deserve all the money they get for sure. But Santine, that one step up after that uh, that last uh, good effort, you know, in the uh, the New Orleans or the fairground stakes, boom, Santine could be the next you know turf star coming out of here. So I think somebody good is going to come out of that race for sure. Going to show something more than than others have seen. Great betting race, uh, as is, I believe, even though it's a short field, um, uh, the New Orleans Classic. I, I think you got to give the nod here to Olympiad. It looks like uh, Bill Mott has done a masterful job at planning yep. this horse's uh, uh, year so far. Obviously, two for two, <laughs> and bo- both of those solid wins. And uh, but you know, you, you've got uh, you, you got Proxy, who last year Michael Stidham t- tried the Derby Trail with that horse. And then, for whatever reason, obviously they put him on the shelf. But he came back looking like a bear with your boy Brian Hernandez in uh, not too long ago. And then, uh, yep. you know, Ch- Chess Chief, who's certainly the horse for course there. Promise Keepers, no slouch. And Superstock, count him. He's got three Derby wins, but they'd be at Zia Park, Ellis Park, and Arkansas. Yeah, I mean, when you put it that way, I mean, like first first glance, it's like Olympia just set the track record. You know, easy, done and done, going to do it again. Loves the long stretch here. Great. But, I mean, yeah, there's that's some tough foes in there. I, I, I think you could make a case for everybody in there, 100%. Well, all, all, all I can say is now, real quick, and I'll let you get back to your seats. Those guys probably said, hey, as long as you're getting up, bring us back some beers. Um, oh, that's a good reminder right there. Absolutely. Uh, come on. I think I've never been on with Joe Christofek before. Um, <laughs> but anyhow, how's the weather looking? I mean, uh, things look like we're going to go on the oh, turf. Beautiful. The main track is going to be okay. Yeah, we were back on the turf today. We were off yesterday. The weather looks beautiful. It's just, you know, low 70s today. It's going to work up just a little bit warmer each day. And uh, we're going to end off, you know, this closing weekend with, with a great weather. You know, we've got, we've got three stakes on Sunday, too. You know, I think here's my, here's my pick. If you want to play something, the Camejo pick three throughout those three stakes. Yes. I think Camejo could take each of those stakes. I think he's got it set up pretty well for himself. So could be some prices there. Maybe play that one. But we've got 12 races on Sunday. And then, then we close up. And then I tell you what, I'm going to miss this place. It's going to be hard leaving, John. You know that you probably know that feeling really well. I've said goodbye before. But we'll stay in touch wherever you can go, I guarantee you. Kevin, you've been the best. Thanks for taking time out of your business evening. Go have a great time the rest of your night. Thanks, John. I appreciate you calling me on. I really had a good time. All right, Kevin Kilroy from the fairgrounds. Really appreciate his insight and taking time from the ball game there with the boys down at the fairgrounds. Going to take a quick break. Uh, he, he got us off on a tangent talking about characters and people at the racetrack. Well, no guy has ever captured that better uh, in a book than T.D. Thornton. Uh, he's going to join us here in just a minute. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com And they're off! What? 
can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. Tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free, 1-866-472-5788, or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right, and with me now, T.D. Thornton. Uh, most recently, uh, you can uh, read his uh, observations about the world of racing in the Thoroughbred Daily News. He covers a myriad of topics. He, he must just get a phone call at midnight every night. And, uh, you know, uh, one, uh, one of the Sue Finley's on the phone saying, hey, T.D., by the way, something just happened over here. I need you to get the story, and he's on it. doesn't really matter what the subject matter is. T.D. Thornton can't write about it. Before I get into some topics specifically, T.D., how are you? Where are you? What's going on? I'm doing well, John. It was great. It's great to speak with you tonight. I am uh, calling to or listening to you from uh, just a little bit north of Boston, Massachusetts, on the seacoast here, and... Uh, we are getting ready for the Kentucky Derby, and I've been throwing together the Kentucky Derby Top 12 for Thoroughbred Daily News since December. And, um, you know, we, that's already, we've already got uh, three months under our belt. But in a way, the, the real running only starts now because we're just starting to get to those nine furlong and beyond preps. The, the one that's beyond is obviously this weekend, the Louisiana Derby. So it's uh, always kind of interesting to me how every year we do this in-depth prognosticating in January, February, and March. Uh, but really, things don't seem to settle into a clearer focus until we get to this to this point of the season when we get to the last gasp preps that are worth 100 points, qualifying points, that is, to the winners. Well, I want to get to, to your do, your most recent top 12. But before I get that, there's a couple uh, subjects that, that, that I want to hurt, hit you with. Now, I just want you to know he, he's been in, in a soundproof booth uh, that's been hermetically sealed by four guys from Braintree. He doesn't have any idea these questions are coming to him. So uh, we're letting TD out now. We're going to hit him with, with these questions, okay? Uh, you ready for it, TD? Lay, lay it on me. What do you think about the resilience of D. Wayne Lucas and the year he's having? Yeah, that's uh, it, it's always uh, interesting when you see some of those older trainers 
uh, getting into what you might think is the twilight of their career, but the book has probably not been written yet on Mr. Lucas. And um, one thing I would say that he's consistent in is he is just as crafty with where he's going and what he's going to do with developing horses now as he was back in the early 80s when he tried a similar move to what we're going to see uh, in the Arkansas Derby with Secret Oath, the filly taking on the boys, kind of brings back memories of Althea, some 30 uh 30-something years earlier uh, when she, too, was was uh, on a path to get to the Kentucky Derby. D-Wayne was cagey back then about where he was going with Althea, and uh, he kind of tipped his hand a little bit earlier in the season this time with, with Secret Oath. And Ethereal Rhodes, no slouch. I think you've got him on your uh, also eligible list of, of the Derby Top 12. So uh, uh, Darnell is uh, staying somewhat busy these days, I could say. It's just, it's a fantastic legacy. And, and the fact that a, a man that's in, in his 80s is doing what he's doing, I know he needs a step stool, but he's still up on his horse every day, watching the action live in person from horseback. The, the guy is amazing. But it's going to be a great story for you writers. That is for sure. Now, again, I got to get rewind and and I've got to get back to not by a long shot because it, it really is my favorite book. If anybody says, John, how will I find out about racing? I said, you want the real story on racing? I say, yeah, yeah. I said, yeah. I said, I can send you to a glossary or, or I can send you to not by a long shot. Uh, th- the reason I love this book is uh, it, it reminds me so much. I, I cut my teeth at a place called River Downs. It was in Cincinnati, Ohio. It was once Coney Island race track uh, had major floods and and then it went through a lot of the ebb and flow of the things that I hear you talking about uh, both Rockingham and Suffolk but the the wonderful thing that these tracks have in common is something that you just have a marvelous way of uh, of holding your hand and telling people about it is the real feel of a smaller track the people involved the things that 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 happen on a day-to-day basis and the things that could never happen anywhere else but a small time racetrack yeah, it's uh, certainly for, for people who um, are at the pinnacle of the profession in the game, you almost always find they, they all started at a small track somewhere. And, and a lot of people that we deal with on a regular basis, you and I, who are the stars of the game, they, they all came up somewhere. They got their start, and it certainly wasn't uh, for most of them at a Saratoga or a Del Mar or a Keeneland. And for folks not familiar with my book, Not By a Long Shot, uh, it came about back in the year 2000. It's already uh, the season that it describes is already 22 years old, but I grew up around the racetracks in New England, and I read some great literature about horse racing when I was growing up, but I never found anything that, that it was all written about the Kentucky Derby and the championship horses and the pinnacle of the profession, and what I was reading didn't really resonate with what I was experiencing on a day-to-day basis. My dad was a small-time trainer in New England. I grew up at Suffolk Downs in Rockingham Park, and eventually I uh, got to to write and went to journalism school, and I became a horse racing reporter, a turf writer. And um, by the time I got to the year 2000, I said, I really should be writing some of these stories down. And I decided to be fastidious about keeping a journal one year. It was it coincided with the year when I was uh, the public and media relations director at Suffolk Downs, so I got some great access 
onto the back stretch into the jockey's room. Everywhere I went, I carried a notebook and a tape recorder with me, and I wrote the stories down at night. And lo and behold, over the course of an entire racing season, some of those storylines really clicked and came together. So I, I had uh, racetrack fortune on my side in, in putting things together, and it unfolded in a very cinematic uh, scope and a really great story arc. And it does tell the story about, uh, as you said, the blue-collar heroes of the game. It's fantastic. I mean, it, it grabs you right away. This reminds me so much of a story we, we might get up at our press box. Is the story about the trainer that had an Aphrodite in his barn. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, of course, John is referring to the the trainer was misspeaking, and it was really a hermaphrodite horse that he had in his barn that uh, – <laughs> that he was trying to describe to us, even though he didn't know the, the, the proper terminology or the way to say it. He knew he had something oddball and different, and there are a lot of similar stories like that and not by a long shot. Uh, what, 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 working in the press box, I, I mean, when I first started, obviously it changed, uh, but uh, it, it was, we actually had an old black gentleman by the name of Lee. I don't think anybody knew his last name. And, and Lee just come up and Lee would, we didn't have machines then, and Lee would run your bets down and, and, and get you a ham and cheese sandwich, whatever you need, and run it back up, you know, and you, you'd get your sandwich, your bet, and you'd tip Lee, and it was just a whole different era, you know, of course, if your horse won, you know, Lee loved it, because chances are, he was running bets for eight guys, somebody was going to win, so <laughs> old, old Lee didn't, didn't have a bad bet, I remember one day, uh, Kevin Gomer, our track announcer, who I think first called his first race up at Rockingham Park for some reason, um, um, he said, Lee, what's it like when you get to be your age and, you know, uh, there's no more, you know, lead in the pencil? He said, Mr. Kevin, you're going to have to ask somebody else that question. <laughs> <laughs> we, we had a similar parallel. We had a gentleman at, at Suffolk Downs before there were, were self-service machines or a mutual teller in the press box, and he would – do exactly that. He would, like I'm sure at every, almost every pre, uh, track press box in the country, he would take the bets, he would write them down on slips of paper, and he would physically go and run them down. Uh, except our version of this guy, a guy that we, we call, his name was Tom, but everybody called him the Chocolate King because his sideline was, was selling uh, chocolate bars uh, for school fundraising. Uh, the Chocolate King would take your bets and write them down, and he knew, based on his years up in the press books, who were the lousy handicappers. So he would right. put those bets on those guys. And the Chocolate King made a fortune. It was, uh, it, you should have seen it was a fight among the, the mutual tellers who had seniority who wanted to be up in the press box because all the so-called Sharpies were up there and they were all losing money. Sure, that's how sharp they were. If they were sharp, they wouldn't be in the <laughs> <Yeah>. press box. <laughs> But yeah, it was great. Uh, you know, I could tell you stories about our 84-year-old clocker, Richard Bailey, who never missed a day of work and never missed a, a horse as much as they would do stuff like disguise them and wrap them and uh, work them out under different saddle towels with different exercise riders. Uh, he was fantastic to listen to and learn all the tricks of the trade. Obviously, things have changed a lot back then, uh, but uh, back there on those uh, those smaller circuits, God, they were rife for 
for stories. And I just talked with Kevin Kilroy from the fairgrounds. TD, you ought to spend a year down there because you'd have volumes to write about. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think one of the interesting things is, you know, I, let's, let's face it. I'm up here in uh, suburban Boston. We don't have a racetrack anymore because Suffolk Downs closed, on, closed down uh, going on two and a half years now. And you really miss the the day-to-day interactions of the characters you would see at the racetrack and, and being in a, in a press box. And, you know, as you widen the lens and look at the scope overall, there is really, you hear, unfortunately, I think, uh, for, for, the, for the way that the game has unfolded, you don't hear of stories of people wanting to... Uh, Go over the top to these outland and resort to these outlandish measures to try and cash bets, like you said, disguising horses in workouts or, you know, holding horses back in a race or doing whatever. I'm sure, certainly not advocating for more skullduggery in the game uh, <laughs> and more illegal things. But you have to admit that there were a lot more entertaining stories going around back when people were really actively trying to pursue how to put one over on somebody else. And some of these characters. They would work harder to steal 50 cents off of somebody than to make an honest buck. <laughs> yeah, and, and again, those times have changed. I mean, uh, you know, there used to be a character around River Downs called Red Eye Eddie, and he had the one like Dead Eye. And Richard Bailey, he go, you just got to make sure that you never make eye contact with him. He says, if you make eye contact with Red Eye Eddie, don't make a bet. Just tear your tickets <laughs> up. Your day is ruined. And just you know, stories like that where you know you'd swear to God that Damon Runyon wrote them, but you were right there to watch the damn things happen. Uh, it, those were just marvelous days. I don't know how many of those are, are are left. Everything's become so sterile, and what we still had of a few remaining press boxes was was chased out forever by the COVID thing, and then rules changes by uh, new ownership. It kind of gave me excuse to uh, get get the uh, ink-stained masses out of the way, shall I say. Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate in that, uh, you know, on the one hand, we have the Internet and we have social media, which can deliver uh, news from the racetrack into the customers and the betters' uh, screens right in front of them with the, with the click of a button, and it's instantaneous. But, you know, those messages aren't getting filtered by journalists because there are so few journalists working at beats at tracks these days. And so there are trade-offs. You are getting greater access to information. For example, you know, 30 years ago, it was a chore to find past performances and video replays. Now you can get access to those things with the touch of a button. But as you said, John, we have lost something in translation in getting to that point because we no longer have the the day-to-day reactions and the face-to-face reactions with, with characters around the racetrack. Yeah, and we're going to get to your top ten real quick, but a, a classic example of that was uh, Gary West, who I told you is one of my favorite writers, and Bob Fortas, uh, who sad to say left us a year or so ago. Um, both outstanding award-winning writers, and those guys, because they were both from New Orleans, were like one and one A. You'd see them at the Kentucky Derby, you know, you'd see them talking to a trainer, and then you'd read their stories the next day, totally different. I mean, what each guy would get from a trainer, they never traded with each other. They'd ask different questions, not at the same time. And it was just fantastic to see two guys getting the same story, the same person, but coming away with a different personal take. That's what lacks right now with this general pool that tracks seem to be going to in that, oh, don't worry about it. We'll send you your quotes. I don't want your quotes. I want my quotes. Am I right? 
Yes, yes, the the access has, has definitely changed there, and and there are some uh, racetracks, particularly those governed by by corporations, that they are going to extraordinary lengths to keep people away from getting those stories. It, it, it used to be, you know, this is only 20 years ago. You could call up Suffolk Downs and say, hey, I'm a I'm a college uh, photographer, I'm a college newspaper, or I'm an independent uh, journalist. Can I have a pass? And sure, we'd let them prowl the backstretch and dig up stories because there were so many great stories to be told. And the corporate entities that are in charge of that now, uh, they don't necessarily want people prowling the backstretches because of the stories that they might come up with. So the, the lack of access is, is definitely problematic. Oh, TD, I got, I got to call you off air someday. We we got a lot of stories to, to swap. But before we do that, l- let's shamelessly self-promote your weekly column. I believe you update it on at least a weekly basis uh, that we can get in, in the Thoroughbred Daily News. And that's your, your, your top uh, derby horses. I'm scanning through right now. We probably won't get through all dozen. But, uh, you know, hit us with your best shots. Well, right now I've got Classic Causeway ranked as number one. He's coming off of uh, two wins at Tampa Bay Downs this year in the Davis Stakes and the Tampa Derby. He wired them both going back to his last race in 2021 as a juvenile. He exits one of the stronger key prep races uh, of the season so far, the Kentucky Jockey Club Stakes, uh, where he tangled and, and lost to Smile Happy in that race. Uh, the conundrum for Classic Causeway, however, is he's run two very visually impressive races at age three. The speed figures haven't really been up to par on them. Uh, he is uh, he ran a, a an 84 in the Tampa Derby. That was a four point regression off his previous stakes win. Granted, the numbers don't tell everything. We're going to see if he. Uh, can uh, rebound it when he goes in the bluegrass stakes, uh, but the bluegrass is really shaping up to be a heck of a race because it lures the numbers one, two, and five horses on the TDN top 12. That would be classic Causeway. Smile Happy, uh, who I think a lot of people are acknowledging was not fully cranked for his Risen Star run. He had some momentum loss, and he still ran on well enough to, to get a minor piece of it there. And also showing up in the bluegrass is going to be uh, Zandon. We currently have him at number five over on the TDN Top 12. Zandon is pretty highly rated this year for a horse who um, hasn't won yet beyond the maiden ranks. He has, however, uh, shown some grittiness and determination in two losses when he lost in the a roughly run stretch run of the, the Remsen Stakes back in December. And uh, he also blew the break coming out of that same risen star as Smile Happy. Uh, and he rallied, a, put in a nice stout three-eighths mile rally type of horse that you would think is going to get better as the distances get longer. But he has yet to prove himself by winning beyond the maiden ranks. Yeah, you know, TD, I, I'm sure uh, even around uh, ex- expert uh, selectors, um, Zandon just doesn't jump off. But yet there's there's a couple top Derby 10 lists that I see him on. So uh, he, he's kind of like in the old days in the press box, the wise guy horse. Yeah, that's funny you should mention that exact term because I didn't use it this week. But last week I said it is a little earlier in the year because you don't usually hear of a so-called wise guy horse until Derby Week itself. Uh, and in this week's Top 12, I used the, the phrase that uh, Zandon's bandwagon is straining at the axles based on the people that are piling on. Uh, I am a believer in Zandon, but I'm not quite ready to add my weight to that bandwagon just yet. I'm going to have to see what he does uh, in, in the, the bluegrass stakes next time out. 
Um, let's uh, let's see. Uh, is Randall and Roll in your top dozen? Uh, he is barely there. He, he's he's right now hanging on at number twelve. Uh, timing and circumstances have not been on the side of this this horse. He's a big, huge, striding grinder. Uh, at Saratoga last season, he got up caught up in a quarantine when other horses in the barn came down with an equine herpes virus. Uh, then he bolted on the turn at Saratoga when it looked like he was making a winning move. He was going to be one of the favorites for the Breeders' Cup after uh, he he won the um, a Grade One stakes at Keeneland in early October. Then he had a foot abscess. Now trainer Kenny McPeak has brought him back, and I think uh, even Kenny, pretty he didn't come out and say this exactly, but he acknowledged that. Rattle and Roll would not be at his tightest uh, going a mile and a 16th at Gulfstream. And he had, uh, trainer Kenny McPeak had to publicly disclosed before that race that he'd be wheeling him back in about three weeks uh, for the, the uh, Louisiana Derby. That plan is going to try and come to fruition this weekend. And I think that uh, if ever you've seen a horse on the, the Derby Trail this year who needed his first race and probably didn't show us his, his true stuff, it's going to be rattle and roll. I, I think he's uh, the type of horse you can throw the, cross the proverbial line through his last race, see what he does here. But uh, he, it's getting a little late in the season for him. He's going to have to prove himself next time out or, or they're going to have to uh, decide what else they want to go, where else they want to go with him. Yeah, and plan two may be plan one. I mean, if if he has a great Louisiana Derby, and I hope he does. As a matter of fact, Kenny McPeak made his start at River Downs, my friend. And uh, I, I'd be happy for him, but he does seem just a little bit behind the eight ball. And with his running style, wouldn't be surprised if uh, he'd really turn into a, to a good horse later in the season and as distances stretch out. Don't think he'll have a problem. But that's a, a conversation for another time. Forbid him kingdom i think is the wow horse well you know what i i agree with you that he has wowed people so far but you know i don't um he beat up on a really weak field in the san felipe stakes uh the the field if, if i'm going off the top of my head because i don't have the pps in front of me i think there were there were only four other horses in there and three of them were just outside of the maiden ranks um he he absolutely crushed that field, winning by a, a, a big margin and throwing up a, a huge buyer speed figure in that race. Um, but I, I'm just not I'm just not conv- you know I, I, I and I should admit with a, a little caveat here I always have trouble in California coming up with the who beat whom angle how strong the races were I, I, I totally missed the boat for example on Authentic two years ago uh, I thought he was beating up on short fields and I couldn't get a true grasp on. Geez, is he, is he just one of Bob Baffert's better horses who's, who's uh, knocking the stuffing out of the competition here because the division is so weak out in Southern California, or is he really that good? I got that feeling with Authentic a couple of years ago, and of course, he had an additional five months to pre- uh, four months to prepare for his Kentucky Derby that was run in September, but I see similarities in trying to get a horse like Forbidden Kingdom on, on the picture for me on, on the radar screen. I just I can't go based on what I see in one blazingly fast uh, San Vicente stakes, followed by beating up on a weak field in the San Felipe. We'll see how he does going into the Santa Anita Derby. Uh, if he ends up going in that race head-to-head against Messier, they're, they're going to be the two-star attractions in Southern California. So that's a, that matchup will be something to look forward to. And uh, a little bit of a, a missing firing and training last Friday because Forbidden Kingdom came down with a slight fever. 
he had to miss his workout, but trainer Dick Mandela said it was only his first work back off of that last win. It's not as concerning as if it was his final preparatory work. So uh, the jury, I, I don't quite, uh, I see the flashes of brilliance there. I can't say I'm climbing on the bandwagon with you on Forbidden Kingdom just yet. No, I, I just thought he was very visually impressive. I love the way he do it. We're talking with T.D. Horton, uh, who will capsulize uh, his top derby horses every week. I only got a minute left. I don't know how you can squeeze this in. We just got the late breaking news that Baffert has recommended many of his horses be moved to other trainers so they can enter into the derby picture. I got a feeling that your top 10 may take some shuffling over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, we're, we're going to see what happens this week down in, in Louisiana. I think Epicenter is Epicenter is a is a nice, solid horse as far as the derby, derby contender is concerned. However, things almost seem like in such his favor on paper that I wonder if he's almost in a trap spot here, a race where you might want to avoid him as the favorite, although I do respect him. And uh, then, of course, the weekend after that, we've got three nine furlong derby preps, and the weekend after that, another three. So things really start to... the the, uh, the cadence starts to quicken and the plot thickens, as we say, it's, and that's coming into into focus uh, over the next couple of weeks. T.D. Horton, you're the best. Thanks a million. I've got to go. want to thank Kevin Kilroy, all of you listeners out there. Pull down the easy win forms. It's going to be a fantastic week of racing. Wake up early on Saturday and head on over to Maydan. I'm John Engelhart. You've been listening to Winning Ponies. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. We hope the information from today's show will benefit you at the next post. Join us for more insight next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Also, look for our weekly newsletter. Have a great week, and may your photos always be winners.